Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. Dr. Paul White, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thank you so much. And I was just chatting with you. Coincidentally, we're in the same town and did, and, I, and we didn't even know it until minutes yeah. ago. And <laughs> that that happens in larger cities, but let's talk <laughs> often here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so happy to have you on. Um, you know, in the last couple of podcasts, we've really been talking about mindset, you know, as we look at the world. And I'm not trying to uh, magnify or to highlight this too much, but as we look into the world, we see lots of division. I think I can say that, and that would be a fairly well ex- or easily accepted thing uh, when we look at social media, when we look at the media in general, um, when we just look at politics and the world and vaccines and not vaccines and healthcare and it just all of it seems like that there's these divides. And uh, a lot of your work is really kind of, I would say, counteracting that to a large degree. So tell us a little bit about Dr. Paul White, what you've done, and, and then kind of let's step in from there. Sure. So uh, I'm trained as a psychologist. And for first part of my career and, and you know, sort of trailed into just recently, I've evaluated students that have learning difficulties. So ADHD oh, and dyslexia uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. And then uh, about mid-career, sort of 15 years ago or so, I grew up in the context of a family-owned business and some mm-hmm friends who were business consultants knew about that and kept running into family issues. And so mm. for a number of years, I traveled around the country working with uh, successful family businesses uh, and families, wealthy families, dealing with the family issues of working together mm-hmm. and largely around business succession and wealth transfer and how to do that without blowing up the family. Right. And through some interactions there, I was working with a company in North Carolina talking to the dad saying, you know, how's the plan going to transition? He said, it's going well, my son's stepping up and I think it'll work. Uh, go across the hall, ask the son the same question. He says, this is a disaster. It's going to work. I can't ever please my dad. And my wife and I were reading the five love languages at that time. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if this could help in, in workplace relationships. So I pursued Dr. Chapman for uh, about a year and finally got to meet with him and pitched the idea and developed an online assessment uh, to identify how everybody likes to be shown appreciation at work because mm-hmm. it's sort of a weird conversation to have, you know, right. just to ask somebody. Then developed some training materials and wrote the book. Came out originally 2011. We updated in 2019 and uh, mm-hmm. fortunate it's done well. It's sold over 500,000 copies and mm-hmm. uh, it's in 25 languages and all that. And so now I work with organizations and speak and do training around how to communicate authentic appreciation to one another in the ways that are meaningful to the recipient. Mm. How are we defining or how are you defining, I guess, authentic appreciation? Because it seems like that authentic is, you know, you're not saying how do you appreciate people? It's how do you appreciate them authentically? So what's that mean? Well, it's partly to differentiate between uh, employee recognition programs, because a lot of people hear appreciation, Uh, they sort of go straight to employee recognition which is, you know, is a good thing when it's done right, but it's largely about performance recognition is. And mm-hmm. we believe that appreciation goes beyond that, that people have value beyond what they produce or what they do. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. how to communicate appreciation authentically. And part of that is 
that it is authentic and that it's also perceived as authentic because there's things that we can do that, you know, get in the way of the message. So helping people do that. And a key part also for us is that it's not just for leaders. It's not just for managers mm -hmm. and supervisors, but we found mm -hmm. that it really works best if team members learn how to communicate appreciation to one another and, and then take it and run with it that way. And I've got to imagine this also expands out into the world, you know, the, the greater world. If we learn these techniques, we get to appreciate our families. We appreciate our friends. I mean, I think it, once you're in the appreciation bubble, it seems like that it would probably be good to like expand that beyond just the people I work with. Right. Yeah. But it, that's really sort of where the five love languages apply because mm -hmm. they really mm -hmm. are about personal relationships and got family it. relationships and got all it. that. So that space. Yeah. That space. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so let's run through those, if you don't mind, the, the actual, the five love languages at work. Yeah. So, well, um, sorry, not love languages, the five appreciation, uh, the appreciation languages. Well, yeah, yeah. This five. Yes. Yeah. Um, so they're the same in name as the five love languages, but they look different. In okay. Life. So okay. words of affirmation is the first one we had 350,000 people take. So we have some good data. 46% of uh, the workforce choose words as their primary language. So okay. a lot of people, but it's less than half. So if you only use words, you sort of miss a lot of people. And it's basically words that are affirming. I mean, you're saying what you value about the other person, either what they've done or character that they've demonstrated that they're reliable or trustworthy or aren't dramatic mm -hmm. in situations. So, and it can be oral, you know, or it can be written text, email and all that kind of stuff. Handwritten notes from the boomer generation. That was how we were taught to say thanks and all that. But for younger generations, uh, and we've done research along the way, uh, identified that especially 20 something guys don't give a rip about a handwritten note. Uh, but <laughs> it's more about the speed that you get back to them. You know, oh, than okay. Yeah. 24, 48 hours. Got it. Second language is quality time. And that's 26% of the workforce. Um, and it, that actually breaks out sort of generationally as well in, in the old days. Uh, people wanted to get time with their supervisor and their manager and either to share things, observations or learn or whatever. And that's still true to some case, but younger employees really value peer relationships. And so I tell mm. leaders, especially older leaders, just because you have a team member who has quality time as a language doesn't mean they want time with you. You. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 right. It's not them. It's you. Yes. And <laughs> right. so, you know, younger employees like to, you know, get together, hang out for lunch, go out after work, mm -hmm. maybe get together, watch sports together on the weekends, that kind of thing. So it's more so, peer to peer. So it's people that they actually work with day in, day out. Not necessarily. They don't want to hang out with their boss necessarily. You got it. They want to hang out with the people that they're kind of arm in arm with, so to speak. Yep. Okay. And then uh, acts of service is the third language. And uh -huh. it's not rescuing a low-performing colleague. It's really those sort of practical things that you can do to help uh, a day, a person's day or week go better. And probably the best example is when you're working on a time-pressured project and you're, you know, working hard, banging away at it, what's something that somebody can do to help move that along for you, whether that's mm. run an interference as far as not being interrupted or phone calls or whatever. Or maybe do some small tasks that help you be able to stay focused on the larger mm -hmm. project at hand. 21% uh, of the workforce have that. So about one out of every five people. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important to, to distinguish because these are people that often sort of live by the mantra that, you know, words are cheap. Don't tell me, right. you care and support me, show me. Show me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I had a CEO, he said, my language is get or die. He said, don't give me stuff. Don't tell me stuff. <laughs> so. 
uh, it's important. And, and there's different rules or sort of guidelines for each of these. I mean, you need to ask uh, mm-hmm. what would be helpful versus a sue. Uh, oh, gotcha. You know, what, you know, and you need to do it in their way versus sort of teaching them, trying to teach them a new or better way, which is your way, uh, mm-hmm. how to do stuff. And it's amazing for each of these. One of the things that we found is that just having the language right is helpful, but it's really not sufficient. You need to get the specific action correct mm-hmm. as well. And gotcha. so in, in our inventory, we had identified people's primary and secondary language of appreciation, but then let them pick the specific actions that are important to them and from whom they want those. Cause you like, you know, quality time, they want to hang out with their colleagues. Right. Their Got it. Fourth, fourth language is tangible gifts, which is not bonuses, raises, you know, vacations to Hawaii or whatever. That's really sort of, you know, in the, in the employment contract, it's really small things that show that you're getting to know the other person and what mm. they like. We really talk about appreciation being person to person. It's not mm. driven by the organizational chart. It can go in any direction, go from the receptionist to a, a vice president, from maybe somebody in accounting to somebody in IT that helped get mm. their computer work. So it's not just that top down kind of thing. You know, a tangible gift could be bringing in their favorite cup of coffee. Right, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, bring us a, a snack. Mm-hmm. Maybe you find out a hobby. They're starting to coach their kid's soccer team. And so you get them a, a magazine or maybe, act, you know, you find a, a, a website that you can shoot them that, you know, gives them information about that. Or, or if they're holiday cooking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and simple recipes. So it's, it's not a big monetary value. In fact, you know, in the military and in the government agencies, they're not allowed to give monetary gifts above like right. a box. So you right. can find some mouse. And right. that's interesting. That's only 6% of right. uh, the population. Whereas uh, recognition and reward programs really focus on that reward stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but the problem is it's usually pretty impersonal. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. used to be a, a mug with candies <laughs> in it, a pen. You know? right. And uh, fortunately, I think we finally moved past that phase but uh but swagware from the the, mm-hmm. the place which again i worked with uh, a major international beverage company and the and the people said you know i feel like i'm a walking billboard i mean the only right. thing they got was logo wear you know right so, makes sense so that can go bad and right. then the last one that people always wonder about is physical touch. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. I was waiting for it. There you go. I knew it was, yeah. I knew it was in there, but I thought, well, maybe they rephrased it. But yeah. And we're down. I'm doing the percentages. That's got to be fairly low because it's... Yeah, seems, it's just about 1%. 1%. Yeah. And, um, and oh. it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, Dr. Chapman and I talked about it. Do we want to even include it? And we've, we right. decided to for two reasons. One, we didn't want to advocate a touchless society even in the workplace because there's times for appropriate physical touch different situations and relationships when somebody's lost a relative or right. you know found out their teenagers went a wreck or you know right. could be yeah. lots of things the second thing is that it, it happens and largely it happens uh in spontaneous celebration right mm-hmm. i mean it's a high five when you oh, finish right. a project it's a fist bump when you solve a problem mm-hmm. maybe a congratulatory handshake when you make a big sale so it's not huge but it is big in that they're different subcultures. I mean, our Hispanic and Latin friends are far more mm. physical in, in mm. their relationships. And so to not touch at all, because, uh, you know, they'll greet with a kiss on the cheek uh, mm-hmm. in some places. Um, and so and our stuff is in multiple languages and cultures. And so mm-hmm. we didn't want to rule it out totally. So and very interesting. 
And I guess give us some success stories um, and feel free to give us any crash and burn stories, but give us some success stories around how you've been able to use this effectively uh, with people in an organization. Yeah. So first, let me state that, you know, what's happened over time, because we've been doing this about 12 years now, we've grown into, I mean, we work with government agencies, we work with a lot of hospitals and medical places, Mm. public schools. Uh, manufacturing firms, financial places, uh, pretty much anything you can think of. We, we haven't done a prison yet that I know of, although we've done courts. But we had an article written about us in the New York Times that um, was about one of our clients that, that are miners and they crush rock and that kind of stuff out of South Dakota and Colorado. Originally, we thought, you know, I'm not sure about some of the tough guy kind of industries, but law enforcement and them. So anyway, this mining company, we, I went in and I, I trained uh, and talked to all the supervisors about it, you know, and there was skepticism, and <laughs> but, but when they, we worked it out, I mean, it is about being authentic. It's not just about going through the motions. I tell people, I'm not here to teach you how to look like you show appreciation. And if you don't appreciate somebody or value somebody, don't fake it. I mean, it's not going to go well, so we can deal with that. But these guys adopted it. They worked with their leadership that they created. We have symbols for each of the languages, visual symbols. Mm-hmm. They got stickers that they put on their helmets oh, wow. uh, to identify. And it's actually sort of a badge of honor because you have to be there at least, I don't know if it's three or six months, you have to be past probation before you can go through the program and do it. So it's pretty fun and cool that way. Hmm. I used to train on the, the disc profile system. Okay. So I learned it and then I became a trainer and all that fun stuff. But, uh, you know, I had sometimes when I was training that people were like, well, isn't that manipulative that you're kind of trying to manipulate people because you're using something to get them to do leverage or do something else. And I was always like, no, it's more like, um, I'm, if I'm gonna, if I'm a tourist and I'm visiting France, maybe if I learned French before I got there, people would be more receptive because I could communicate with them. And I think that's the same thing here. This isn't about how do you manipulate people to get what you want. It's actually, how do you connect with people? As I say to my son, who's seven on the soccer game, I said, it takes teamwork to make that. And he always says dream work, right? So a big part of this in my mind or in the way I'm, and I've had some exposure to your work. So is that it just creates a better sense of community, a better sense of team. Absolutely. One of the things is that we have to work at sometimes is we have to say a core as we determine sort of core uh, factors that help communicate authentic appreciation. And one of them is that uh, you need to communicate in the language and actions that are important to the recipient. Right. Okay? So a lot of people, you know, our natural reaction is to say, if we like words, we're going to give words or if we like right. time, we're going to go check and see how people are. But that's why we work with teams and have printouts and, and charts and all that so they can look up and see what actions people like so that you do it. So, and part of it is a very efficiency kind of thing of you don't want to be doing things that don't matter to the other person. Right. It's a waste right. of your time and energy and it doesn't hit the mark and it sort of feels weird after all if you just keep doing that, you know? <laughs> and so we want to help people do what they're already doing or almost doing and tweak it a little bit. I mean, one of the biggest arguments against using our stuff is, you know, saying, well, we're busy. You know, when are we going to mm-hmm. do this? Well, everybody's busy. I got it, you know? And that's actually, I think, been part of the success is that we were able to develop the model that we're not, we don't create another to-do list for anybody. We're mm-hmm. just teaching them how to do it more efficiently in sort of their daily interactions and so that it's uh, impactful. 
Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of meeting their, meeting people where they're at. And again, probably getting better overall, again, synergy teamwork so that when problems do come up, it's a little easier to bring them to the surface than just, you know, I've seen cultures, company cultures where things just get buried because nobody wants to upset the apple cart, so to speak, or nobody wants their boss to come down. You know, I think it's just, you know, creating trust, like Lencioni's pyramid of trust, right? You got you to have that trust as the, as the base model. Otherwise, your team's not going to work, right? There won't be the, tr- the trust in it. So how do you get people to communicate within that? What are you seeing kind of in today's employees, employers? It's a, it's an interesting time. I'll just put it, it that way. It's, so what, what are you, what are you, I'll just leave that way open-ended. How, yeah, there you go. What are you seeing? How are you experiencing that? And then with the, you know, within the construct of the companies or the people yeah. that you work with? Well, let me first say that, you know, a lot of leaders say, uh, I mean, some people say, you know, we pay them. That's our appreciation. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> That's not the companies yeah. typically that are bringing in culture people or exactly. wanting to write, right, right, be a better. But, but I say, you know, the goal isn't just to make people feel good or feel happy. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, if that happens, that's fine. But we've got lots of research. And in fact, in our book, you know, the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, we have a chapter of sort of the ROI of appreciation. We have 50 cite, research citations that show that when team members truly feel valued and appreciated, absenteeism goes down, tardiness goes down. Staff turnover uh, goes down, productivity goes up, profitability goes up, and customer service ratings go up. So I talk about it being sort of oil in the machine of a business that helps things work together and move together better to get things done, to accomplish your mission, rather than not having it stuck, friction, mm-hmm. heat, sparks, all that. So that's one side of it is that we're there to help the organization function better. What's interesting about our culture and sort of some things that we're learning is, you know, there is an element of some of the younger workers or less experienced workers, but usually younger, seem to have what I would consider unrealistic expectations for work, mm-hmm. that they're going to get their meaning and life purpose out of it, that it's ultimately going to sort of use all of who they are and you know, be deeply meaningful. You know, in most careers, you start out at the bottom and the bottom isn't that meaningful or <laughs> enjoyable. I mean, right. you have to work your way up. And so mm-hmm. there's a tension about that. And there's also sort of an environment about needing to be commended, appreciated, whatever, frequently or about a lot of small stuff. I, I sort of tease, this is not that we're going to throw a parade that, you know, Sandy showed up for work today. It's like, whoa, right. you know, wait. Right. But, yeah. But the flip side of it is, is that clearly we know that people stay at workplaces longer when they feel valued in our mm-hmm. to colleagues and better results happen. So there's a tension there and you sort of have to work it out and individuals have to work it out about what's realistic here. But a key part, really, I mean, I think for leaders. One is that it's not all the responsibility of leaders, supervisors, managers to do this, that they just don't have the time and the bandwidth. And so the key is to teach the team members how to communicate appreciation. And you've got to do it in the ways that are meaningful to each person. And so you individualize it, personalize it. And that's really where sort of a lot of the value comes from. And you know what we've noticed, um, so I'm in the healthcare space, uh, and you know, what we noticed that was when wages were going up, you know, people would leave for a dollar or two more an hour. And, and I get that, you know, we have to pay bills, but what we noticed 
you know, within a four to six month period of time after that, as we started to see people come back because wow. of, of the things that you're talking about, we are very heavy in the culture side of our business. Yeah. And we really appreciate the people that work there. And, and we try to shine light on people that are doing good stuff within our organization, no matter what level of the organization they're at. And so we did see that at, at the, I won't say at the end of the day, but through that process, there were multiple people that came back to our organization because they found that working for two or $3 more an hour sounded good, but in reality, it was more stressful. It was uh, more sporadic, but they weren't able to, they never felt part of the team, right? And so they came back because they wanted that stability of being in a team of people that they knew that cared about them, that they cared about. So even in the short term, if it's, we have that dynamic going on, I think ultimately like anything, it's right. You stay the test of time with what, with good intentions and with good actions. Yeah. I mean, a, a variation on that is that, uh, MIT, the Sloan School of Business did research sort of end of last year, beginning of this year and found that in the great resignation, which was uh -huh. really big in the medical world, yes. that over 10 times the number of employees, the reason they were leaving was culture issue as opposed mm -hmm. to compensation. Right. Um, and there's other research shows most managers, business leaders think people leave for more money when the employees themselves say they're not leaving because of more money. They may get more money, but right. that's not the reason they're leaving because they don't feel valued. In fact, Boston Consulting Group did research, global research, 200,000 employees and found that the number one contributing factor to people enjoying their work was feeling valued and appreciated by their colleagues. Mm -hmm. So it's important. So it's important stuff. It's important stuff because today's work world is not the work world of even 10 years or 15, let alone 30 or 40 years ago, right? Where the mentality was, you get paid, you know, that is the appreciation, right? You yeah, get a check exactly. and that's, and, and I, I kind of straddle that fence. I'm still in the workforce. So I kind of remember those times, but now it's like, oh yeah, there's this, this yeah. shift. And if it was just about the money, then we would, you know, everybody got appreciated through money, then you know, it would be super easy, but, but it'd be also super shallow, right? We wouldn't right. really be connecting with people. It'd just be so, totally transactional. So what do you think there are the biggest mistakes that companies make in this area? Just other than just flat out doing nothing, but what have you seen that didn't really work well for companies? Well, first of all, that they equate employee recognition with appreciation. And actually we found that the two work together really well. I mean, that you want to recognize and reward people for doing the right things and achieving goals. And so if you set up your recognition program to track those and then reward those consistently, that, that works. But what, what we found is that employee recognition only talk, touches about the top 10 to 15% of any workforce. So you got a big middle group, 50 to 60% right. good people showing up, doing their job, right. but they don't hear anything. Another piece of research that 79% of the people who leave work cite a lack of appreciation is one of the key factors. So mm. you're really at risk for losing those people. Mm -hmm. And so if you combine recognition with appreciation around the person, then you're hitting both mm. and really helping things go well. So that's one. The, the other mistake people make is, you know, it's like anything. And behavior change, you know, a one and done seminar just doesn't get it done. You've got to be committed to it as an organization and provide time for training. And I talk about changing culture really requires uh, visual symbols. And that's partly why well, you do it. I mean, if you think about culture, whether it's sports or whatever, mm -hmm. if you have emblems and all that, but it's both a combination of structure and spontaneity. 
uh, that hmm. if you just want to wait for it to be spontaneous, that'll go for a while. But it, uh, yep. the flip side of it, if it's only structure, it feels just pretty objective and mechanical. But you want to build it into your existing structure. You don't want to build more meetings. Nobody needs more meetings typically. Right. Uh, but you take, you know, the 15 minutes in the middle of a meeting or at the beginning, mm -hmm. not the end, to call forth, you know, hey, what are people seeing? that's been positive or, you know, that you want to communicate appreciation to somebody. And so you build it into the structure and then also provide the flexibility for people to be spontaneous. But I mean, I've had groups that have made t-shirts mm -hmm. uh, around the languages, or they've actually created little card stations mm -hmm. where people can go and get a card and write something. Um, had one group guy wrote a song about it, you know, so just to be able to take it part of your culture, it gives it life. Oh, that's really cool. And so is this, you talked about you, a survey, do you still have that survey up? Is it online somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. It's called motivating by appreciation inventory. Okay. There's actually a code that comes in the back of the book to take mm -hmm. our basic version. Mm -hmm. uh, but our main website is appreciation at work. And it's the word at, not the ad side, appreciation at work.com. Work. There's a section about assessment and you can buy groups of codes uh, for mm -hmm. your team. We've created special versions for different settings, medical settings, because an active mm -hmm. service for a, a, a nurse on the floor is different than an active service for a school teacher right? or somebody in the trades. We have a trade version, you know, an active service would be like, you know, helping clean up the project site at the end of the right. So we sell those. And like I said, I mean, 350,000 people have taken it. It's in mm -hmm. seven languages, Spanish, Chinese, French, others. So mm -hmm. it, it's fun to see. And yeah, we're doing research all the time. I mean, we just did some research comparing uh, whether the frequency of people choosing different appreciation languages differs according to their industry. So oh. like in the trades, you know, most of this is pretty logical. Access services is higher than, mm -hmm. than in a traditional business. Mm -hmm. What was the most, I guess, shocking, revealing, surprising thing that you found through all of these? Through, I mean, you know, some, when you're looking at data, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And then there's something you're like, what's this, right? So of all of those people that have taken that survey, what was surprising to you? Well, you know, we have intervet national versions and yeah. we have a fair number of people in Singapore in Southeast Asia take it. And mm -hmm. their language that people, most people choose is acts of service. Mm -hmm. And the cultural reason for that is because it's a, you know, densely populated city government mm -hmm. country. Right. right. And helping people progress in their career is, is really viewed highly. So sort of, you know, helping a colleague out look good and so forth, which is interesting. But one of, I guess, one of the most fascinating things right. is that over 12 years, the, and we, you know, compared different timeframes of that, mm -hmm. pre-COVID, post-COVID, the uh, words is almost 45, 46% of the population just day in, day out. And mm -hmm. there's no gender difference at all. I mean, they are just dead on, like, mm. uh, you know, a 0.5% difference. And just the stability of that has been intriguing to me. Right. That we, even though time changes, human nature doesn't necessarily, or it doesn't in this scope of time. Right. Having said that, remote workers do, mm -hmm. even though they still choose words most, that comes down and quality time goes up, which would make sense because mm -hmm. they're not around people. And similarly for uh, employees under 30, words comes down and quality time goes up. It's still one and two that way, but it's moving right. in that direction. Yeah. More balance. And so the best way to find out more about this work and other work you do is that 
appreciationatwork.com and you can see the other stuff you do, but it's just amazing stuff. You know, that's you know, a large part of what we do on the show is just bring on experts in different fields. But the one th common thread is that all of them are doing good work in the world to kind of offset or counteract uh, negativity. You know, I think there's pervasive loneliness, there's pervasive division uh, right now. And, and some of it's, you know, obviously greater in some lives than others, but things like this, that kind of bring us back together, right? We need yeah. to kind of come back to community, come back to tribe. That's where we feel safest. Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We feel safest in these tribes and we feel, and a lot of times your tribe is at work, right? Cause that's where you spend the bulk of your life is at work. Yep. Yep. And so having that feel and what we're talking about here, these ways to make people feel appreciated also, I'm sure makes them feel safe. And that safety again, makes them feel more connected to others. So we need to continue to to spread the word and spread news about how do we connect with people? Cause that's ultimately feels good to us. And it feels, I'm preaching here and feels good. To, I mean, that, that connection is in a, a large part, what life's about. Yeah, you're right on. I mean, we did research pre COVID post COVID people's stress levels, what was helping them. And one of the key factors that helped that differentiated the people that were doing well emotionally and not was, uh, staying connected at a personal level with their colleagues. And that's sort of a key issue about turnover now. I mean, I just was asked by the American Bar Association to write an article about staff retention. And a key part of that is for people to be connected. And it's not about communicating about tasks, but it's sharing a little bit about your life. I mean, what you do this weekend, what are your kids doing, right. and then following up with that. Because uh, relationships create bonds and make us more sticky. So people that are connected are more likely to stay than if they don't. And fortunately, I had the privilege of being able to create a resource and some structure to help people learn about one another. Because the kind of conversations you don't just sort of willy-nilly have over right. lunch or whatever, it's fun for people to uh, see and have fun uh, together doing it. Yep. Amazing. Well, Dr. Paul White, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate your time. And Again, thank you for doing the work you're doing. You know, we just need to see more and more of it, right? Do the good deeds, as they say. So, there you go. Cool. Well, thank well, you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yep. it. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.